Welcome to the Pulpit and Pew Podcast. Today we look at the coronavirus from the perspective of faith and medicine. With all the known and the unknown taking place right now, people are facing their own mortality and questions about life and death, issues of security, lots of concerns. So today, Patrick Reed and myself, Eric Blauer, take a swing at these things. Hopefully you'll find this podcast meaningful. Enjoy. And if you do, share it with someone else. Hello, everybody. This is Eric Blauer. This is the Pulpit and Pew podcast, and I've got Patrick Reed on the phone since we are social distancing. <laughs> we thought, How are you doing, Eric? I'm, I'm surviving up here uh, on a beautiful sunny day. It's hard to imagine so much going on in the world when it looks so beautiful, but I'm doing good. How about yourself? No, exactly. Uh, we were... Uh, uh, we were we were out and about just now and, um, you know, sh- making sure that we were enough distance away from everyone else. But um, it is hard to believe boy, with the sun shining like this. And um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people out really at, at this point in in, uh, you know, the inland northwest and uh, eastern Washington. Um, it's it's hard to believe that there's something going on like um, like what you see in the news. So. Well, you had said, uh, being someone who's in the medical profession, you thought it'd be a good uh, topic to bring both of us to the microphone and have a podcast on some of these subjects and thoughts that were on your mind. Why don't you give us an intro to what your thoughts were for this podcast and what you'd like to talk about? Yeah. um, Yeah, I just, you know, I I was just thinking, boy, what a, what an interesting uh, time and it's first of all, it's good to be back um, with you uh, on another podcast. Um, it's been a while since we uh, we've done something, but um, you know, and and there's plenty of reasons for that. But we we'll, we're kind of getting back uh, to it now, and um, and that, what a what an opportunity to to have a discussion. Um, so you know, just on my, it would it just been on my mind anyways to uh, to get back talking with you. Um, uh, about a variety of different things, but boy, I mean, this, um, this is, this is kind of a weird, uh, a time in, um, in the history of the world and, and, you know, some pretty drastic measures being taken with, you know, now in the midst of, of what the WHO and the CDC world health organization and the CDC are calling, um, now, uh, SARS COVID-19, um, so sudden acute respiratory um, distress syndrome, uh, and then uh, coronavirus nineteen, and so I just heard me that there's a lot of worry, and you know people worry just not about their their health, which I think they are worried. There is some worry about that, but um, really I think it's amazing the the links and the the amount of concern about people being able to survive. Um, so that's kind of, I think that's the kind of the baseline. That's what I fill out as the baseline concern. Um, people have had job loss. People, you know, have just been, you know, in, in our area in Washington state, I think on both coasts, uh, been what I would call T-boned uh, by a change in schedule. Um, you know, having to take care of, you know, your, your kids, all of a sudden who were in school and now they're not. And so your schedule's all messed up and, um, you know, you, 
you got to try to make a, a change there. And, and then all, in addition to all of that, you know, we have, you know, financially people are, are sort of reeling because, you know, you don't know if your job is, you know, right now there's a lot of people have been sent home uh, to work from home, just be, you know, for that social distance part of it. And, uh, and then you got to wonder, I mean, I, my first uh, thought when I heard friends and family talk about, you know, being home for work is I wonder if, you know, um, you know, if you get told, well, you're not an essential employee, so you don't need to be at work. That doesn't that kind of make you a little worried too. So, yeah, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm starting from. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really just kind of continued. Uh, I, I was going to work, uh, the other day yesterday. And, uh, as I drove to work, um, normally I live a block away from an elementary school. There's usually when I'm getting going in the morning, there's tons of traffic, cross traffic. I can barely, you know, cross the street to, to get to where I need to go. And, um, it was just empty. And so, uh, that was an interesting, just kind of, you know, usually it was just like a Saturday, you know, Saturday more early Saturday morning traffic where, you know, the only people on the road are, you know, those crazy, uh, you know, dietitian trainers that are, that are working out hard. And, you know, the Lululemon heads is what I would call them, uh, training hard. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so it was kind of one of those weird mornings, you know? Yeah. Do you have, uh, as someone that has a profession in the medical field, how do you think that that understanding of things and connection to conversations and professional perspective, how does that shape your actions or thoughts about the current virus Um precautions yeah. that we're having your family i'm curious just how you're processing that individually as a medical yeah. provider yeah um that's a good question i mean i think it, it, it's it's been really interesting to, to talk to you know a, there's people with different perspectives and for myself personally uh, it's i think for most medical professionals it's it's you know a, and I, I would say this is true for most people who work in medical, in the medical field, whether you're a front desk person or medical assistant or, you know, you know, surgeon, uh, whatever you're doing, uh, there's a high, there's always a high level of, of sensibility when it comes to cleanliness. And um, I was just talking with uh, my wife, uh, I think yesterday or, or earlier today, um, you know, just about, I think you know, it, sometimes if you're not in a profession, you don't realize every time somebody, it's a standard of care that every time somebody goes in a room and, and walks out, that room is clean top to bottom, regardless of, um, you know, any, this, regardless of this, uh, scenario. Um, so everything that's been touched should be wiped down. Um, and that's, that's a standard of care. So that that's happening. That should be happening in every clinic anyways. Um, and so, uh, from my perspective as a, I, I think there might, in some ways there might be less concern just because I'm, I'm used to, um, a certain, I, I can see the background. I can see the, the, um, you know, the reasons why things might be happening or how they might be, um, 
you know, safe in some ways to, but I'll tell you, I had a doctor's appointment and, um, the other day, like just a few days ago, and I got my temperature taken um, before I walked in the door. I got asked a, uh, a bunch of questions about if I had had a fever uh, recently um, and, um, you know, just those those qualifying questions that now are being asked that had not been asked before. I just think it adds a layer of intentionality and a layer of um, anxiety um, to where we're at now from uh, you're not used to being asked those questions when you walk into a clinic. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my, just kind of um, my, just by kind of two sides from a, a provider side and a, from a patient side as well. So, um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that, um, uh, that I had thought of here was really, I mean, this, the way that, that things have been, have come about, and the, the kind of language and the, and the news. And, and I mean, I mean, if you're living in the United States at least right now, um, and this is March 20th, that, uh, two, 2020 that we're, uh, we're talking right now, um, you will have known that any grocery store that you will have been in, uh, is devoid of any toiletry products. Um, you know, all the hand sanitizer has been gone as of, you know, probably a week ago. Um, no Clorox wipes are available for, um, you know, for like the last week. Um, you can't buy, um, and I, you know, if you've tried it, you ha you can't buy uh, respiratory masks, um, even from the hardware store. They're not available. Um, so, and that's probably been a week that that's been um, the case too. So it's just, it, it, it's an, in, to me, it's like, boy, are, I know that there's lots of fear and I see the fear just in, you know, this, you know, that this, this rush on, um, stores to try to buy up things that will, you know, prepare us for Armageddon. And, um, and, and I'm not in some of this, is, you know, reasonable from an individual perspective, but it's interesting because it reminds me of, um, or it makes me think of, um, the plague, uh, you know, it, and, and one of my colleagues said, uh, just a couple days ago, like, but this is not the plague. So I, you know, he was kind of saying, like, I'm, I don't know. I don't know that we need to be taking this as, uh, seriously as it seems to be taken because of that. Um, because we're treating it like the plague, but we're, we're really not in a plague scenario. So, um, so and, I think that's in the differences of that in your, in your estimation, how, how would you define the differences there just to give someone a little bit more clarity on yeah. those two statements? And when I say the plague, I mean, the black plague of London, um, you know, uh, uh, I think it was in the, um, you know, fifth century. Um, so they, you know, the, the, that was a communicated disease, uh, from, uh, my, my kids actually taught me this, uh, because they, 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 because of their history, uh, study, but they, uh, uh, it was, uh, um, communicated by fleas on, uh, rats and mice. Um, and so, you know, if you got bit by a flea, then you could get, um, you get, and, um, the reason why, 
this is different is because this is affecting a, you know, the plague affected everybody. Um, so, you know, regardless of race or age, if you got bit by a flea, the fleas are not going to care. They, they bite everybody. So, um, and it was, it was, well, it was, once it was communicated into an, uh, a geographical area, um, in London at that time, and I read up on this um, just to make sure my, you know, uh, and I, I may not have all the facts right, but my understanding is in, uh, it was concentrated in London, the city. And if, if they, if you started to show symptoms, they would put you in your uh, apartment with the rest of your family and they'd shut you in there. And basically nobody came out alive. Um, mm. And in this scenario, um, we are the, the the is affecting people um real i mean you can get it you can you can you can show positive you can be tested positive for it but the the people that it's affecting it, in terms of death are a much smaller percentage of the population now um i would say from a um that i don't think that that means that we shouldn't take precaution i think we should absolutely take precaution um, in the very same way that we should take precaution. And as I might, I, I might as well say this as a medical professional as the same way that we should take precaution with immunizations, um, that we get these things done as a public health, um, you know, movement, uh, so that we can keep, uh, people that are not ourselves, uh, healthy, just in the same way that we try to keep ourselves healthy. Um, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's not just for, it's not just for me. Um, it's for, it's for my parents and my grandparents. Um, that's why I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, social distancing and I'm making sure that I'm, I'm covering my cough and I'm making sure that I'm, you know, isolating myself if I do have any kind of symptom, um, that's related to this. So, but it isn't the plague. The plague is, you know, there's no question it's going to kill you. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't choose who, who affect, it affects everyone. Um, and this is not the case. I mean, we may get sick from it, but if you're under the age of 60, um, and you don't have heart disease or lung disease, I mean, you're, you know, you're going to have a flu like it. This is the way I understand it right now is you're going to have flu like illness, but you're not going to, uh, be at a risk for, for death. Um, so, and, and for those people who are above in that category, you know, above the age of 60, uh, lung disease, heart disease, um, those people are at a much higher risk and, um, you know, they, we need to be uh, conscientious of, of, of their situation, I think as a, as a society. Um, and clearly, uh, the CDC and the, and the World Health Organization have, have really tried to uh, make sure that that's in the public mind. Um, so, um, and the government is kind of, uh, government officials have, have sort of taken those reins and, and run with them. So that's been interesting. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, kind of the, the things that it brought up for me was um, the reason why I brought up the plague and was because it, it kind of made me think to myself, well, what did people do in the plague? Like what, I mean, it, it, in, in our conversation, Eric, you and I, um, we have this, you know, 
interesting opportunity to, to kind of tackle this from this idea of medical care and pastoral care. And so I, you know, I have to reflect that same question on you, um, you know, which is how, how are you dealing with this from a, a pastoral point of view? Yeah. Well, at this point, it's, it's, I think, uh, it's a, it's a difficult uh, number of slices of the pie are difficult because there is a lot of very diverse opinions, all kinds of access to conversations in a wide range of spectrum. Mm. People are coming from a lot of different angles. Yeah. You know, in, in this week, my conversations have centered on, have been with people that are related, you know, issues related to single parent trying to figure out, uh, deal with leaving their kid at home because they have to work yeah. and there's no one to watch them. Yeah. And, and all the complexities that that produces in the parent's heart and and the trouble with, you know, challenge of discipline and <clears throat> not being there, all those kind of things. And then the financial stress yeah. and those kind of things, the friends that have lost their businesses and or had to close down Definitely. because of the uh, realities or, you know, because of our governor telling us that that's, you know, required um, to, you know, going in and trying to support a local business of someone I know that owns it. And, you know, there's nobody in there and it's just him. Yeah. And I know, you know, those are, there's some real hard decisions that are coming down the line as they're making things like that to, to other issues of fear, anxiety, mm. um, how to how to manage panic in the in the type of thought life that that creates the sense of people say we have plenty and don't hoard but when you go into a store and someone tells you you can't we don't know if when or if we're going to get a b or c um, the official kind of language doesn't match the experiential reality on the ground and then you put the heart and mind together there and you have moms with babies trying to think through you know those needs diapers yeah. or you know switching and then you have another section you have the people who uh, i don't know if it's washington and idaho we have a particularly um strong viral strain of conspiracy and <laughs> independent kind of prepper yeah. type of people and so i have the conversations about you know, they're going to get her guns. They're going to, they're confiscating land to, this is a uh, conspiracy of the world health, world health organization. Yeah. You know, I sat, watched a half hour video. Somebody sent me today with a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, you know, so I'm being called upon to have these kind of opinions or responses to a lot of different type of issues, yeah. psychological issues, spiritual issues, socioeconomic issues, political issues. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's pulling upon me to, you know, be present for people in a way that's going to be helpful and meaningful and responsible. Yeah. And, you know, then today dealing with, you know, the state department is, uh, you know, told all of our missionaries that they need to come back home or they may not get back home. Yeah, yeah. So, so then again, you're kind of like, okay, what's going on behind the scenes? Why, why are these, is this just general protocol? 
Do people know more than we know? Then all of those people we care about are being uprooted. They're trying to figure out how to make their way back home and leave everybody that they work with and live with. You know, so there's all those complications and and stressful, fearful um, issues. So as a pastor, it's it's unknown territory. Who who's been trained for pastoring in a pandemic? Yeah. Um, prior or you know pre and then whatever may unfold you know the issues of the realities of the 60 are over and some those concerns are true but I know a lot of the my wife working in the hospital area too there's the whole discussion of what if doctors get sick oh yeah and then and then who cares for the sick people if the care givers are sick and then how many beds do you have for how many people are over 60 and what if you get full and uh you know these are just a number of just stacking up mental and heart issues that are hard for anyone to kind of you know keep in perspective but at the same time you know even though church services have been, you know, suspended and we're all dispersed and doing things online and all of that. um, You see the people that are sincerely living out their faith, irregardless of whether or not they're sitting with someone on Sunday, they're, they're reaching out, they're connecting with people, they're encouraging, they're supporting, they're providing. And then you see people that, have been kind of in the attendee mode that are not mm-hmm. and they're silent. So it's kind of a hard thing pastorally to kind of look at your work or your community and, and have hopes and concerns that this fire will also test the quality of what we say and what yeah. we do. Mm-hmm. And, and so pastorally, there's those aspects too. Like, will people live? their their faith out when their skin is in the game and uh so you know those are some pretty big questions too and so i see a lot of opportunities and a lot of challenges at the moment yeah and i think that that's i i mean i totally i could see all of that um unfolding and i i think that's great perspective and i i think that um that's kind of along the lines of you know for me i um i like to prepare my mind. I feel like it's good. Uh, um, it's just helpful for me to try to, I mean, we have, we have this opportunity now, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks to actually think about this, um, you know, situation that maybe we can't avoid. Um, and you know, if, if, if it's to me, you know, in answer to the, uh, uh, the party that, that may say like, well, this is, this is a conspiracy and, you know, there's, there's something else that's being hidden here and, you know, um, and, and the world health is off their rocker and it's, they're not, what they're saying is not true. It, you know, I, I hope that that's the case. Um, and that's, you know, that's not that it's, it's, it's been fabricated that this is not a, you know, a situation that we need to worry about essentially, but, um, in, in some ways, I mean, and I'm not, I'm sure that that's not all of what's being said out there, but, um, in any case, my back to what I was saying before, I, I think that this is an opportunity for us to, um, uh, sort of think about prepare for me to, to think about how I'm going to prepare my heart, um, and mind and, and, and spirit for, if there is, 
something to come that is worse off than what, you know, than just being isolated, um, which is, is hard enough uh, for, for many people anyways. Um, but what basically, you know, if, if we are in a plague situation, my question for this, you know, for this discussion today is, you know, what do you do in the face of the plague? What, 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 what should we do? And so, um, you know, a couple of questions that I just kind of came up with um, just to kind of guide conversation was, you know, if we're talking about communicable, uh, communicable diseases, um, it seems to me that there's, um, there's a couple of different uh, sort of people that you can, that we can emulate. Um, and I've titled uh, the, the two groups that I've, that I kind of see as uh, the protector or the helper. Um, and then the other, you know, group that I, I, I haven't really thought a whole lot about, um, but it's certainly a, a, a potentially a large group of people is, or, you know, is, is a kind of the sideliner, uh, the person who's just kind of standing off to the side, uh, neither engaging in protection or in help. But, um, you know, the people that I think of as protectors or helpers is, and I know that, you know, uh, it was harder for me to think of um, protectors than it was for me to think of helpers, actually. But I was thinking, like, you know, do I think of myself as like a St. Christopher, like the patron saint of, of help, you know, the person that's going to guide you on your travels? Or, uh, you know, if you're Catholic, you know, St. Christopher, you might wear a, a you know, St. Christopher necklace or something like that. So you your travels or a mother Teresa, you know, a person who's going to get their hands dirty um, and sort of think, um, not think primarily um, about the, the possible uh, affect of touching someone, um, of being close to and bacteria and infection. Um, and, and, you know, it's it just, I think a lot of people, I mean, we, we kind of have to reflect on that as we are, are kind of preparing for this. Um, you know, it, to me, it seems to me that I don't think it's wrong to be either type of person, like the person who's their immediate response to a situation like that is to say, we need to isolate. We need to find a way to protect as many people as possible. Um, um, we need to make sure as many people survive as possible. But there's a, there's a moment at which I think that we all might, maybe not all, but some of us may have to make that decision. Like, are we going to uh, put our own safety aside and engage in a, um, you know, in an action that, that, will help someone else more than it helps us. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the question that I have, um, as, as a starting point, um, yeah. you know, and so I was curious to, to, you know, to also to hear what you, what you thought about those, um, if those were fair, um, you know, uh, you know, categories or kind of what you thought about that. Yeah, I think those are great categories. I think that, <clears throat> it's challenging to, I, I think different people, maybe different professions, things they're involved in, you know, uh, 
shape a lot of maybe which category they mm-hmm. might be in, uh, you know, people's temperaments, the type yeah. of person they are. And I think we, we need all of them. And, you know, I mean, the reality is everybody needs to kind of um, do a combination of those things. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, what's the most helpful to someone over 60? We have to think differently about those type of things. You know, we may not be concerned about um, ourselves, but that's not really the primary question. The question is their health and what's the most helpful thing for that other person. I think that's a big paradigm shift for a lot of people right now, especially people that are coming from the helper mode, which is the religious background a lot, the nonprofit background, the medical maybe, you know, obviously um, people aren't quite sure what the most helpful, what do you do with homeless people right now? Um, how do you deal with, you know, I had a guy working at the shelter talk, telling me that um, in the women's shelter, women mothers with their kids are leaving the shelter, a real nice shelter, everything provided for them and going back onto the streets. Interesting. Because that, you know, they are afraid of being isolated in with a group of people that may or may not uh, sure. be healthy. Um, you know, these are, these are difficult situations and I don't have a lot of the answers. You know, I think everybody's stretching to try to figure out how to answer some of these complexities. I think the general basic things that we're getting are good steps, but I know there is a lot of disbelief and, and to be fair, a lot of that disbelief is because we've been through a number of cycles of pretty scary words like SARS and H1N1 and, uh, you know, these other events that kind of ramped up to this sense of we're going to have something and then they don't. It's that kind of hurricane. It's coming, it's coming and everybody's prepared and then it blows off course and everybody's fine. And it's, it's this difficult kind of yo-yo back and forth thing. You know, and I, it's something that you said earlier and I, and I, I think is a great, point and i think you know ultimately you know it, you know as i was writing some of my thoughts out what i what i came to realize was that at least in the western world um it seems to me and, and i'm talking about western christianity here um being a christ follower in the western world we are not used to facing death we are still used to yeah. being primarily westerners who can say to ourselves and to our healthcare providers make me well. Uh, death is not a, an option for, for most of us. We, we have not considered that wholly as, as a, a likelihood or a uh, eventuality. And I think that that presents both a spiritual issue as much as it does a, you know, um, a, a philosophical issue in a, in a way that we approach the world. And I think that, um, so, I mean, it's just very interesting to now all of a sudden, you know, if you're thinking about survival as a, um, you know, as a primary issue in your life right now, light, that's a very foreign, um, you know, thing to think about as a, uh, a Westerner. And, um, and so it really throws us off. I mean, we just don't know how to think about that and how to, and I, I would say, and I'm putting this even further, it's hard. We, I think we owe it to ourselves to think uh, of that issue, but also to think to ourselves, 
what would Jesus do? Um, how do we act as Christians in this situation? Um, and, um, and, and what do I want to be in this situation? Um, uh, you know, and that's kind of where some of, you know, some of my thoughts are coming in here is, is just to say, you know, and I, I, I've had this thought before that it's working in internal medicine, um, with, uh, you know, internal medicine, in case you don't know, is, you know, you work with people who are 18 and older. And the primary people that um, I've worked with in internal medicine are people with very complex health, um, so health issues. So multiple um, health issues like um, COPD, heart disease, diabetes, um, all at one time. Um, you know, a lot of times there's uh, some level of kidney disease uh, in addition to that. Because, you know, when your organ systems start to fail, it's difficult to maintain great health for all the other organ systems. A lot of times, you know, things start to fail all at once. Anyway, my point is that it, it never ceased to amaze me when I would talk to somebody who was probably relatively healthy. And, I, and I, I've seen several people in this category at 80 years old, 75, 80 years old. They were distraught. I've seen people who have been distraught at the idea that they would die. And to me, hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a fundamental heart yeah. issue. It's like, you know, if you hadn't got the message that death and taxes are the only thing guaranteed in life, I, I don't know where the education stopped there, but... I think that, that what it is, it's, it's our society is so used to saying or thinking at least we're, and I'm saying myself included in that society, we are so used to saying, solve my health. And so used to getting an answer for that, that, that your health can be solved. We can fix anything. Like I heard a financial on, um, you know, on, on a, on a TV broadcast that was saying, we're going to fix this. You know, I know we are, uh, we fix everything else. So we're going to fix this. We just got to give ourselves time to fix it. And that, that's, that attitude is, we don't know if that's true or not, but it's just, I just struck me cause I'm, I, I to my, to, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, what if you can't fix it? You know, what, if, what if there isn't not, uh, you got to have some other way to think besides we're going to fix this because so anyway, that I, I, to me, it's like, look, you have to consider death. You have to think about the like, the, the, you know, we all die, all of us. And so we have to ask ourselves the questions like, you know, what do we want to do uh, in, in that? And I don't want to be, because I don't think it's, you know, we're talking about uh, a certain small percentage of the population, I want to reiterate that, small percentage of the population that is at high risk, those people we need to be conscious of, but, and we just owe it to ask some of these questions generally, I think, anyway. Um, and so, you know, one of the questions that I, that I had, uh, Eric, and I, I don't know if, um, you know, this one um, is interesting or not, but um, was a question of, you know, let's be honest, 
which of us has actually tried to avoid viruses and bacteria. And I mean, altogether, like really tried to avoid bacteria and viruses, um, you know, from becoming sick. And so that's my first question. And I think that most of us would say, eh, I think I've tried. And, and then the next question is, well, which one of us has succeeded at that? Um, and so I, you know, I'm asking this question because um, the likelihood is, is that you, if there is a virus out there, um, the likelihood is you're going to have a real hard time avoiding it. Um, and now we've done, uh, I think that's the protector side of things is the planning. We're doing as much as we can to distance ourselves from other carriers of virus. That's IE people. Um, so that we can, you know, the virus can run its course and be done and, 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 and not present a problem to, uh, to, to other people that we might be in contact with. But, you know, the honest question is, is, I mean, in my experience, the people who really have tried to avoid viruses are people that I've known with cancer. Um, those are people who it gets real serious, real quick. People with families who, you know, families who people who's a family member with cancer and cancer. Those are the people get that get real serious about avoiding viruses um, and avoiding bacteria. And let me tell you, in my experience, those people do not avoid viruses. They can't. It's very, very difficult um, because there's a, there's this exchange. And I think this is the, this is part of the equation that we're talking about here. There's this exchange of, do you, how do you exist in the world and also protect yourself from the world? That's, yeah. that's the kind of exchange that we're asking. Each of us are asking ourselves. And I think, you know, in, in a ministry, in ministry situations, that question is the question. Like, how do we, how do we engage the world, but also protect each other and our people at high risk from having something bad happen to them. And I mean, like you said earlier, that question of what if the doctors get sick, you know, what if the care providers get sick, whoever they are, um, you know, nurses. And I mean, let's be honest, the nurses are doing most of the work anyway. So, um, you know, give them, yeah. give, we'll give them credit. Um, nurses and medical assistants and, and, and all and technicians and all those people, you know, that, that are having the most contact with the, with the patients that are sick. Um, you know, what if they get sick and what happens then? Who, who is it that's going to take care of? Um, that's a real question, but we have to, every person has to ask themselves the question, at what point do I exchange, um, you know, my, um, you know, my, my mortality for, um, a, a, you know, a, you know, a, a caring hand or a caring, you know, exchange with a, with a person, a human, a, some human contact. Um, so I don't know, you know, do you have thoughts about that, Eric? <clears throat> Yeah, that's it's a tough one. <clears throat> I think you know, obviously, families will 
not think much about that with one another, but still try to figure out how to do it in a way. I saw one guy who they had a compromised immune system child and, you know, dad went to the mountain cabin with his son and mom and the others are at the other house in town. I mean, you know, there's some real decisions that are being made on that kind of level. Um, You know, it's weird. We had, you know, just thinking through like how much of your family should you see or be with, or, you know, I was, I stopped and dropped something off at my granddaughter's house and, you know, it's like, do you just do everything normal like you normally would do <laughs> yeah. hug kiss and squeeze or do you you know it's like am i supposed to be distancing myself from human contact with my my yeah. daughter or you know th- it's a very difficult thing and um i mean i have every cold i get goes to my lungs i always have issues and so i have a, a certain sure. level of paranoia about that too it's a it's a complicated thing but I think that, you know, your, your point of facing death, which is a traumatic kind of thought process to have the the Christian worldview adds another layer to that, that even goes beyond that, which is ask the question where your soul is, you know, are you, are, are you right with God? Have, do you have a relationship with him? Are you prepared for eternity? Have you um, said the things you need to say to people that matter? Are, you know, are your debts uh, forgiven in the sake of our interpersonal relationships with one another? When you say, are you prepared for death? What does that mean? It's, it's more than just, you know, do I have certain financial things in, in order? Do I have my estate in order? Do I have, you know, my <laughs> insurance, you know, it's also this interpersonal soul work of, have I thought about eternity? Have I thought about uh, the unforgiveness in my heart or these type of things that really cause us to do that deep work? And, you know, it's been interesting to see how prayer has definitely moved to the foreground in ways that it hasn't been. I've expressed often how difficult it is that I see that prayer isn't often the first response people have when someone says some kind of challenge or something in normal day-to-day life. But right now, there's there's yeah. a, it's quick to the forefront. It's quick to let's pray about that, to... Uh, I need to hear comforting uh, scriptures and right. truth to combat my my mental life or my the the state of my heart and soul. And so, from that standpoint, I think no matter what unfolds, there's this good work that's happening where people are being more intentional. They're thinking about the things that matter. They're spending time with one another in ways they haven't. Um, you know, I'm constantly looking at what what out of those big questions that you asked are the good things that can also come out of this. Uh, And I, and I think that there's a lot, you know, we're going to discover that there's a lot of things we were doing in our day-to-day lives that we thought were important that are not a lot of things that we didn't value that we will, a lot of processes and, and structural system things that we thought were essential that we discovered you can actually do life without them or differently um, there could be some real profound and helpful and healthy things that emerge out of this trial, uh, whether it involves suffering or not, uh, at a level that goes all the way to, to death. Um, so again, as a pastor, those are things that I'm thinking about and, 
and and helping people yeah. process and walk you know and, well. I, and I, you know going back to the uh, um, the idea of you know death and and mortality and um i mean um just this is just one of the things that i i wrote down as well was um you know which one of us has really tried to avoid death um and and i think if we're being honest i think uh you know if we if we say i'm taking you know i try to take my medicine okay um i i've exercised i've tried i try to exercise or i try to you know i'm trying to be fit i try to include some exercise you know i'd say if if you're doing those things um if you you know are an ex-smoker which means that you're not smoking anymore um if you're a recovering addict meaning you gave up you know the things that guys are not good and healthy for you then I, I think we we can all recognize if we belong in any one of those groups that we are actively trying to avoid death which is not a bad thing by the way as a medical professional i'd be i'd be a bad you know i, I wouldn't be doing my job if i said it was you know it was a bad idea to try to stay healthy but i think that 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 almost in some ways we can we can become mal uh, misaligned in our thinking and eventually convince ourselves that it's possible to avoid it and i and that's yeah that's the thing that i i think i've witnessed is that look i've done everything right in my life i've taken all my medicines i stayed fit and active you know i don't have heart disease and the conclusion then is I'm not going to die. But the fact of the matter is, is we all die. So anyway, the, 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 what that brings up for me is who among us can avoid death? And to me, the answer is the only person who has avoided uh, death in death's grip is my hope and your hope. And that's Jesus Christ. And so if it, to me, if I, if I'm, I'm coming to this conclusion through this, that I think we, we owe, owe it to ourselves to ask this question of, look, we're faced with an issue of mortality. And if you are faced with an issue of mortality, then you must ask the question, um, you know, who knows about this? And there's no living human who knows about this as well as, the Lord does. So, you know, and that's, that's, I mean, what you said about, um, you know, death and, and worry to make, reminds me of, of, of what Jesus said in, in Matthew, which is one of my favorite verses, Matthew six twenty five, where he says, um, do not worry about your life, um, what you will eat or, or drink or what you will wear, uh, for the Lord worries about these things and he cares about you. But, um, but that to me is like, if, if I'm commanded not to worry by Jesus himself, then that gives me a lot of faith, um, no matter what my circumstances are. And like you were saying, like, you know, a lot of this stuff, and I, I, don't, I, I, I hate to be the one preaching here because, but, um, it, these are just things that I've thought about and it just makes to me, you know, what you said about your you know, every cold goes to your lungs. And I think there's a lot of folks out there um, thinking the same thing. Like, gosh, I, you know, when I get sick, I get sick bad. Um, and so it's, it's, it's reasonable to be, you know, concerned about that and you want to do whatever you can to avoid that. Um, but I think we also have that have to have this sort of, uh, you know, 
pardon the the uh, you know the the pun, but come to Jesus moment where we ask the question, well, what if I, you know, can I avoid this? And if I can't avoid this, then how am I going to face it? And um, uh, there's a couple of people that I, I just, some stories that I found that I thought were, were pretty touching um, that I wanted to kind of share. And I don't know if, um, if you mind, if I share them, uh, Eric, but um, one of them was, um, the story of this, uh, this gentleman, uh, when I was reading about the plague, I, I thought was really interesting. The story about, uh, this, uh, preacher in, uh, Derbyshire, uh, outside of London. Um, and, uh, so I said, I said, uh, fifth century before it's actually 1665, um, was the plague. Uh, but in any case, um, you know, this, they had a, they had a box of laundry delivered to their, uh, to their town and it was infested with fleas and 80% of the people, um, became sick and eventually died in, in that village. And among them was, uh, so the preacher's name is William Mompresson. Uh, and he persuaded the villagers not to flee the village to spread the, because he knew that that would spread the infection, but to stay in the village until the plague had run its course. That to me is an exceptional, uh, view of both your life and your death. That to me is an amazing person and also an amazing group of people that would say to themselves, we know the consequences of this and we are willing to stick out and just, and, and, and have it stay here in our own uh, place because the immediate uh, in, in, at that time, as I understand it. And uh, you know, if, if people had family in the, in the country, when they, if they were living in London, they would just run to the country because they didn't want to, um, you know, get infected. So they would run to the hills. They would try to, you know, get away from the infection. And that's not, that's not wrong necessarily. That's sort of a protector mindset. Um, but this man uh, demonstrates the exact opposite. He says to his, he convinces these people that, and, and, and they all had to make their own personal choices as well to stay and just let it run its course. And his, his wife died. And so, the, you know, I think some people, maybe the sideliners, as I, as I would put them, would maybe re- read the story and say, that guy's, in, that guy's dumb. Uh, he, he, did, he had a screw loose, and anybody who followed him had a screw loose as well. Um, and I think that I, I understand that, you know, I, I, I'm hearing that, uh, that argument there. But at the same time, um, what the reality of that situation was is that this man made a sacrifice. Everybody in that town made a sacrifice um, so that, that other people benefited. And I would suspect that he saved thousands, if not more, you know, tens of thousands of lives um, in, in making that kind of sacrifice. And, and I just wonder if, if we can, if we can bring ourselves to think in that same way, um, you know, if, if it so happens that we, 
um, we have we have a similar type of an issue. And the other story that I wanted to uh, to bring forward is actually more appropriate. Um, but also, I think if you're a sideliner, you might you might think to yourself, "This guy's what, what was this guy doing?" Uh, but um, it was a story that I had read about an Italian physician by the name of Roberto Stella, 67 year old guy, um, and he was the leader of the medical association in Italy, Italy's northern Barisi region, uh, who who died of COVID nineteen just in the last couple weeks, uh, and he did it. He, he died um, while treating other patients. He was a physician working with patients who were infected. And he said to one of his colleagues, we, we have run out of masks, but we don't stop. We are careful and we go on. And um, I think that it's very, you know, we have an opportunity to to, to prepare ourselves to think in whatever way we would. And it's true that sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're in, I think if you're, maybe you think of me as an idealist as you're hearing me and you're thinking, this guy is crazy. But I think that we all have to make the decision whether we want to uh, engage a process or run from it and survive another day. And I think that it's very, very, um, uh, um, attractive to run and survive. Um, and I, I get that. Um, and I think that, that at the same time, we're considering when to run and when to engage. We have to think about, um, those people who have already, uh, made those choices. And, and I think that's, you know, those are the mother Teresa's of the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, those are some profound things to think about, and yeah, I appreciate you sharing those eloquent thoughts and and meaningful words. Um, yeah, so let's close this up. We've gone our longest so far, and but I think the time people have <laughs> on their hands now, they can you're welcome. The you're welcome minutes. for all the extra minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's free. It's free. Uh, um, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would, and I, I know I've talked a lot here, Eric, and I, um, you know, uh, I would just say, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe there's a, a small percentage of people that are thinking about their near future in, in this light that we've been discussing of, like, mortality. Um, but, you know, as I'm thinking about these things, I'm also conscious, um, you know, that it comes to, for me, it comes to this. Jesus is my hope. He's my hope in life and he's my hope in death. And I have no question about that um, for myself. And, um, you know, I, I just have to ask, I mean, you, you, if you're listening to this and I, I'm asking you if you have that same hope, um, you know, my fate, I know this for a fact. I have no question. My fate on this world is sealed. I am going to die someday. There's no question about it. So, and I, and the fact of the matter is, is most people who die don't enjoy it. That's a fact. So we can't, let's not, let's not imagine our, 
you know, the favorite movie where the guy died and, you know, he was peaceful about it. Most people do not enjoy death. So let's not be Westerners here and let's think about the reality of the situation. I'm kind of a realist in that way. And I want, I just, I just know that my hope is in Jesus, in pain, in fear, in, in death, as well as in life. And I don't know when I'm going to have to go or, or how I'm going to, you know, what I'm going to have to live through beforehand, but you know, it doesn't help to worry. And I know that I can, I can rely on Christ for, um, for all things. Well said. And, and in light of that, I think I would add that simple process, those steps that Christ invites us to, which is to believe Mm -hmm. that he rose from the dead That he's, that he's alive, he's returning, that we all stand before him and give account of our lives to him, and that those who have put their faith and trusted in his sacrifice on the cross for their sins and have had their sins forgiven and have confessed and turned from them and have asked him to come and be the Lord of their life and their heart, they'll experience what the Bible calls the born-again life, new life, even in the midst of this unknown, fearful time uh, you can experience that born a new life that comes from the holy spirit into your soul and just like we have babies being born right now in the hospital it's irregardless of what's going on in the world life is happening and god is at work and he may be drawing people that we know and are listening to himself and i would i would i would uh plead with you to to contemplate your soul and your eternal life and to open your heart to God and through Christ and, and know the peace that comes that passes all understanding. It, it is a peace that's based on that. Your life is in God's hands. His care and love for you is true. And no matter what happens in life or death, you are his son or daughter and you'll spend eternity in the world that he has created that is awaiting and that, that promise and that hope gives us what we need to face death and to face fear and to face the unknown right here, right now. And in light of that, I think Amen. maybe we'll just close with a prayer if that's okay. Father, I do ask that if anyone's listening and doesn't know you as their Savior and Lord, that they would ask you to come into their heart, forgive their sins, be born again, and commit their lives to following you in the days that they have. Lord, if there are elderly people that are concerned and fearful, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give them peace and comfort and counsel in their struggles and in their anxieties. Lord, I pray that you would help every parent who is looking at their children and struggling with how to either uh, juggle all the new dynamics of, of having them home or just thinking how to process with the children the events that are happening and the reason they can't see A, B, or C person in their family. We just ask for wisdom, God, to navigate all these challenges. We especially pray for our leaders who are struggling to figure out the best economic and health plans available to navigate these challenges. Lord, give them wisdom that only comes from you. We do pray, Lord, that you would mm-hmm. stem the tide of this uh, pandemic, that you supernaturally, through all the means available, God, 
uh, arrest the development of these things through all the quarantines and the things cities and individuals and business leaders and families to the governments are doing. Lord, I pray that this thing would be arrested and that we would see a reprieve and help, that we'd see a vaccine, all the medical opportunities available, Lord, move upon business leaders to invest their millions, sports people, movie stars, to answer the needs of uh, masks and equipment and facilities. Lord, use all of this evil for good and may your people grow stronger, your church grow stronger, even in its scatteredness. Lord, may you deepen people's faith and their love for your word and may they turn to you in prayer. And God, may we reach out in whatever way is possible to those that need and that are looking for help. And God, use us to be uh, a light in whatever capacity. Those people who are still working in all kinds of different areas that can't stop working, we pray that you give them grace and strength and courage as well, Father. We pray amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you, Patrick, over the phone. Hopefully the, yeah. the line was okay. We'll see in the final editing if we can fix any of that. But uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Thank you for oh, your thanks, thoughts man. today. I think yeah, they were really profound you. and helpful. And we're great. Yeah. Well, come up with another topic cooking. soon and probably do the same thing this way. It's been great, Eric. Thanks. All right. All right. You too, man. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pat.